Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Bernstein Insights, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, Senior Portfolio Manager, and this is the next installment of our Cryptocurrencies and Blockchain Technology podcast series. And as I have been for all of the previous podcasts related to this issue, I'm joined today by Paul Robertson, also Senior Portfolio Manager here in New York. So, Paul, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here, Matt. We've touched on a number of different angles related to cryptocurrencies and blockchain, all of them fascinating in and of their own right. And today we're going to address what has garnered a lot of attention over the last couple of years, and that is initial coin offerings, or ICOs. First of all, let's start at a real high level, Paul. What is an initial coin offering? So, Matt, an initial coin offering is another application of blockchain technology. The coins issued in initial coin offerings are tracked. Uh, Ownership of them is tracked and changes in ownership of them are tracked using blockchain technology. But what they really are is a new innovative way to pull off crowdsource funding Now, they're not used to create alpaca sweaters, uh, to finance alpaca sweater businesses. These are typically digital businesses, but that's the way to think about them. They are just uh, an innovative way to do crowdsource funding. I want to go a little bit further on this crowdsource funding, but maybe give us a sense first for how well they're going. Have they raised a lot and, and how successful have these new digital businesses been? Well, investors have really embraced initial coin offerings. Uh, Estimates from the advisory firm Satis Group suggest that fundraising from initial coin offerings in the first quarter of 2018 was about $3.4 billion, which almost exceeds the total raised through initial coin offerings in all of 2017. So this money ultimately goes where? What's What's the whole crowdsourcing aspect to this? Well, let's just review crowdsource funding. I've already talked about alpaca sweaters, so let me stay on the alpaca sweater analogy. Uh, Traditionally, what would happen is a friend or or a neighbor or someone you discovered online wants to start an alpaca sweater business, and they're looking to raise a few hundred dollars. So you send off $20 or $30 to this person, you get a warm inner glow, and you hope that... uh, By return mail in a few weeks or months' time, you'll get a nice new alpaca sweater. That's traditional crowdsource funding. Uh, Initial coin offerings are, of course, just the digital equivalent of that. But what you're getting is very amorphous. You're clearly not getting an interest in the business. You're not getting uh, rights in the event that the business has to be liquidated. You're not going to get a stream of cash uh, thrown off by your holding in the coin. What you've got is the ability to either trade your coin with other people or use it to access the goods and services that the entrepreneur is hoping to provide. Okay, so let's just summarize to this point. If somebody participates in an initial coin offering, they are either hoping that that coin increases in value relative to what they paid for it in the ICO, or they're buying into the services or the goods being produced by that business owner. 
Is that fair? Yeah, that's the analytical way to think about it. I think a lot of people wonder if investors really understand what they're getting into. And there's plenty of estimates about how many of these uh, initial coin offerings end up really being scams. I think scam is probably an exaggeration. Many entrepreneurial ventures don't succeed. So what we've seen is that the, the large majority of initial coin offerings have resulted in a situation today where those coins no longer have a market value. Can you quantify either the scam or the, the, they don't, the businesses don't work out? Well, no, but I think we, we know that uh, about 80% of the coins issued... Uh, 80, 80, 80, 80, uh, no longer have any value. Unbelievable. And so with, with that large of a fail rate, either through scam or unsuccessful business venture, where's regulation in all of this? Well, there's definitely a growing call uh, for the SEC to step in here. Uh, and the SEC hasn't been quiet. The SEC has launched a public awareness campaign around the risks to investors from initial coin offerings. To that effect, they've built a fake website. Uh, it's called HowieCoins.com. And if you are interested, go have a look at the website. It really imitates every other initial coin offering website. Uh, it has all the classic uh, characteristics, including... The, the, the academic white paper to give you a sense for the intellectual foundations behind this initial coin offering. But my favourite are the, uh, the celebrity endorsements. I, I was um, quite surprised, Matt, to realise that fake celebrity endorsements, as you can see on the HowieCoins.com website, are completely indistinguishable <laughs> from the real thing that you might see on other ICO websites. Yeah. So, you've, Paul, you've given the uh, sweater example... Let's make this a little bit more tangible with uh, another example, maybe maybe one that's related to an actual ICO or something that you could perceive to be from an initial coin offering. Well, okay, let's imagine that you're interested in bringing really fast computing power to the disposal of the movie business. Maybe that's your thing. You've identified the computers, you see a market for making them available to illustrators um, in the movie world or special effects people in the movie world. So how do you bring this business into being? You really have three options. Well, you have many options, but, but three obvious examples for how you might fund it are, one, issue equity in the business, but that, of course, dilutes your stake in the business. Two, you could issue debt in the business, but that would, of course, put um, a separate claim on the profits of the business before you. Or you could, in effect, issue tokens or coins redeemable by the purchaser for time on the computer. Maybe you are an animator. You might buy these coins, uh, and these coins entitle you to an hour of time on the computer. That's the purpose of the initial coin offering here. And you know, the entrepreneur collects the, the money raised by selling these coins and can then fund the building of the business. So I guess for that investor to be interested in prepaying for those services, they'd have to get it at a discount? Yes, exactly. In this case, I think we're really talking about the interest of a consumer. A consumer might be interested in prepaying for the computing time. So if you if you literally are an anim animator or an illustrator and you have a real use for this computing power, 
The advantages to you are that you should be able to buy this computing time at a discount to what the fair market value will be sometime later. But let me just point out here that you are at risk that the business never gets built. Uh, You have no recourse if the computer is never acquired and, and placed in a way that you can access it. For an investor, I guess what you're hoping for is that the coin will appreciate in value. And if the consumer wants to buy it at a discount to the fair market value, I guess you as the investor can buy it at a discount to the fair market value and later sell it to other people who want to use the computing power and take a profit. That's that's in a sense the idea uh, or one rationalization for why investors are interested in coins. But again, let's be clear, coins are not an ownership stake in the business. So you as the investor are never going to profit from the businesses gener- from the profits generated by the business, and nor are you going to receive a stream of dividends or interest payments. If the business were to be wound up, you would be an unsecured creditor at best in the business. So There's lots of risks for investors here as well. So I guess if I was to summarize, just hearing what you're saying, it sounds a lot like buyer beware. I think it's absolutely buyer beware for both the consumer and for investors in initial coin offerings. For those that are trying to buy or prepay for those services in advance at a discount or for those who are hoping that that coin increases in value meaningfully. Yes, absolutely. For both groups, bottom line, buyer beware. Good. Paul, great stuff. Before I let you go, though, uh, some of the shine has come off of Bitcoin in particular over the last few months. As you know, it was up around $19,000 at the end of 2017. As of this recording, we're down around 6300 Give me your sense for why that's occurred and where your perspective is today on the price of Bitcoin. Well, Matt, we talked about trying to value uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin in, in one of our earlier podcasts. And where we got to is the idea that you're dealing with an asset that's not especially useful. Um, this is a criticism of, of Bitcoin as a payment system. It's uh, not an especially good payment system for general application. Again, a Bitcoin doesn't generate a stream of cash, so you can't value it the way you might value a business or a share in that business or a bond. So we're really left thinking about compelling cultural or aesthetic value. This is certainly the reasons why some art manages to command very high valuations. Now, a Bitcoin has no aesthetic value, so we're really resting on cultural appeal. Certainly, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. And for that reason, it's likely to always have a special place in investors' hearts. But even at the $6,300 that a Bitcoin is trading at at the moment, our conclusion is that the future value of Bitcoin, like the future value of almost any other cryptocurrency or coin issued through an initial coin offering, remains so uncertain that we can't recommend them as investments for our clients. Instead, we encourage our clients to think of of purchases of these assets as speculative ventures. Now, I like a good speculative venture as much as the next person, but when you think about these things as speculation, I think that drives you to the right sort of sizing of the position. You want a very small position. Now, 
If you're lucky and the price rises 10,000%, well, that'll make a difference. If you're unlucky and the price falls 100%, well, that won't hurt too much because you size the position appropriately. As always, with all investments, size them appropriately. Paul, good stuff. Thanks very much. Thank you for your time and your insights around uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchains and everything related to that. And for all of you, thanks for listening. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.